page 14, section 14. Let us also keep in mind that Jesus had no use for adults who looked down on the young or lorded it over them. On the contrary, he insisted that the greatest among you must become like the youngest. For him, age did not establish privileges, and being young did not imply lesser worth or dignity. Section 15. The Word of God says that young people should be treated as brothers, and warns parents not to provoke your children lest they become discouraged. Young people are not meant to become discouraged. They are meant to dream great things, to seek vast horizons, to aim higher, to take on the world, to accept challenges, and to offer the best of themselves to the building of something better. That is why I constantly urge young people not to let themselves be robbed of hope. To each of them, I repeat, let no one despise your youth. 16. Nonetheless, young people are also urged to accept the authority of those who are older. The Bible never ceases to insist that profound respect be shown to the elderly, since they have a wealth of experience. They have known success and failure, life's joys and afflictions, its dreams and disappointments. In the silence of their heart, they have a store of experiences that can teach us not to make mistakes or be taken in by Paul's promises. An ancient sage asks us to respect certain limits and to master our impulses. Urge the younger men to be self-controlled. It is unhelpful to buy into the cult of youth or foolishly to dismiss others simply because they are older or from another generation. Jesus tells us that the wise are able to bring forth from their store things both new and old. A wise young person is open to the future, yet still capable of learning something from the experience of others. 17. In the Gospel of Mark, we find a man who, listening to Jesus speak of the commandments, says, All these I have observed from my youth. The psalmist had already said the same thing. You, O Lord, are my hope, my trust, O Lord, from my youth. From my youth you have taught me, and I still proclaim your wondrous deeds. We should never repent of spending our youth being good, opening our heart to the Lord and living differently. None of this takes away from our youth, but instead strengthens and renews it. Your youth is renewed like the eagles. For this reason, St. Augustine could lament, Late have I loved you, beauty ever ancient, ever new. Late have I loved you. Yet that rich man, who had been faithful to God in his youth, allowed the passing years to rob his dreams. He preferred to remain attached to his riches. 18. On the other hand, in the Gospel of Matthew, we find a young man who approaches Jesus and asks if there is more that he can do. In this, he demonstrates the youthful openness of spirit, which seeks new horizons and challenges. Yet his spirit was not really that young, for he had already become attached to riches and comforts. He said he wanted something more, but when Jesus asked him to be generous and distribute his goods, he realized that he could not let go of everything he had. In the end, hearing these words, the young man went away sad. He had given up his youth. 19. The Gospel also speaks about a group of wise young women who were ready and waiting, while others were distracted and slumbering. We can, in fact, spend our youth being distracted, skimming the surface of life, half asleep, incapable of cultivating meaningful relationships or experiencing the deeper things in life. In this way, we can store up a paltry and unsubstantial future, or we can spend our youth aspiring to beautiful and great things and thus store up a future full of life and interior richness. 20. 
If you have lost your inner vitality, your dreams, your enthusiasm, your optimism, and your generosity, Jesus stands before you as once he stood before the dead son of the widow. And with all the power of his resurrection, he urges you, young man, I say to you, arise. 21. To be sure, many other passages of the word of God can shed light on this stage of your life. We will take up some of them in the following chapters. 22. Jesus is young among the young in order to be an example for the young and to consecrate them to the Lord. For this reason, the Synod said that youth is an original and stimulating stage of life, which Jesus himself experienced, thereby sanctifying it. 23. The Lord gave up his spirit on a cross when he was little more than 30 years of age. It is important to realize that Jesus was a young person. He gave his life when he was, in today's terms, a young adult. He began his public mission in the prime of life, and thus a light dawned that would shine most brightly when he gave his life to the very end. That ending was not something that simply happened. Rather, his entire youth at every moment was a precious preparation for it. Everything in Jesus' life was a sign of his mystery. Indeed, Christ's whole life is a mystery of redemption. 24. The Gospel tells us nothing of Jesus' childhood, but it does recount several events of his adolescence and youth. Matthew situates the time of the Lord's youth between two events, his family's return to Nazareth after their exile, and Jesus' baptism in the Jordan, the beginning of his public ministry. The last images we have of Jesus as a child are those of a tiny refugee in Egypt and repatriated in Nazareth. Our first image of Jesus as a young adult shows him standing among the crowds on the banks of the Jordan River to be baptized by his kinsman, John the Baptist, just like any other member of his people. 25. Jesus' baptism was not like our own, which introduces us to the life of grace, but a consecration prior to his embarking on the great mission of his life. The gospel says that at his baptism, the father rejoiced and was well pleased. You are my beloved son. Jesus immediately appeared filled with the Holy Spirit and was led by the Spirit into the desert. There he prepared to go forth to preach and to work miracles, to bring freedom and healing. Every young person who feels called to a mission in this world is invited to hear the father speaking those same words within his or her heart. You are my beloved child. 26. Between these two accounts, we find another, which shows Jesus as an adolescent when he had returned with his parents to Nazareth after being lost and found in the temple. There we read that he was obedient to them. He did not disown his family. Luke then adds that Jesus grew in wisdom, age, and grace before God and men. In a word, this was a time of preparation when Jesus grew in his relationship with the Father and with others. St. John Paul II explained that he did not grow physical, not only grow physically, but there was also a spiritual growth in Jesus because the fullness of grace in Jesus was in proportion to his age. There was always a fullness, but a fullness which increased as he grew in age. 27. From what the gospel tells us, we can say that Jesus in the years of his youth was training, being prepared to carry out the Father's plan. His adolescence and his youth set him on the path to that sublime mission. 28. In his adolescence and youth, Jesus' relationship with the Father was that of the beloved Son. Drawn to the Father, he grew up concerned for his affairs. 
Did you not know that I must be about my father's business? Still, it must be not, it must not be thought that Jesus was a withdrawn adolescent or a self-absorbed youth. His relationships were those of a young person who shared fully in the life of his family and his people. He learned his father's trade and then replaced him as a carpenter. At one point in the gospel, he's called the carpenter's son, and at another time, simply the carpenter. This detail shows that he was just another young person of his town who related normally to others. No one regarded him as unusual or set apart from others. For this very reason, once Jesus began to preach, people could not imagine where he got this wisdom. Is this not Joseph's son? 29. In fact, Jesus did not grow up in a narrow and stifling relationship with Mary and Joseph, but readily interacted with the wider family, the relatives of his parents, and their friends. Hence, we can understand why, when he returned from his pilgrimage to Jerusalem, his parents readily thought that, as a 12-year-old boy, he was wandering freely among the crowd, even though they did not see him for an entire day, supposing him to be in the group of travelers they went a day's journey. Surely, they assumed Jesus was there, mingling with the others, joking with the other young people, listening to the adults tell stories, and sharing the joys and sorrows of the group. Indeed, the Greek word that Luke uses to describe the group, synodia, clearly evokes a larger community on a journey, of which the Holy Family is a part. Thanks to the trust of his parents, Jesus can move freely and learn to journey with others.